Welcome back to Single Minded, where we are flipping the script on being single. I am your host, Hannah First. And I'm your mum, Linda. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Do you not want to be co-host? Well, Do you want to be mum? I have to say, we have to think about changing Single Minded, the logo, Single Minded Hannah First. Why? Where's my name? Oh, so it's <laughs> just an afterthought. <laughs> I feel like the reason that I didn't want to include Linda Curtis is because then it's so random because people might not know you're my mum. Mum didn't change her name. She's still married, but she didn't change her name, which I fully respect. So we thought we'd open up today's episode because I was telling mum how, so like the dream couple on Instagram, in my opinion, is Luke Cook and Cara Wilson. And Cara posted an Instagram story recently about how before she met Luke, I think she'd written down the qualities that she was looking for in a partner. And I sent it to mum and I said, I think we should do this activity where I write down what I'm looking for for me and mum writes down what she's looking for. What I want in a future son-in-law. Exactly. All right. So I'll let you kick off, Linda. Well, my other two, well, one's a son-in-law and one's future. They always give me a bottle of French champagne for my birthday. So that, you know. That has to continue. It has to continue. Compliments are always good. Yes. Compliments to you or compliments to me? Compliments to me. Okay, sure. And I I do like a bit of confidence because if somebody's too quiet, our family dinners are a bit Mm. crazy and loud and you might get a bit lost there. And also when we all get together, we like playing a bit of the game articulate. So you'd have to have a practice on articulate. Articulate. Articulate, not articulate. Articulate. You want him to be articulate as well. Definitely doesn't have to, but he, he shouldn't be afraid to come have a pedicure with me. Oh, my God. I wrote that down. Are you joking? I haven't seen your list. I wrote on my list comfortable enough to call Linda to go Correct. for a pedicure there with her. Correct. There you go. Oh, my God. We're on the same page. Wow. He definitely has okay. to be happy to come to our annual Easter breaks and not try to drag you off to his own family Easter yep. break because that's when we go just with me because Rob goes off on his bike ride and I like everyone to come yep. with me. And, I um, mean, yep. we'd have to say he'll have to be a pretty good dancer. Yes, I wrote that uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and God. preferably if he could sing in tune, that'd be pretty good because, you know, yeah. we need a few more tuneful singers. And, of course, the last thing but most important, some razzle-dazzle teeth. <laughs> <laughs> have you got that on there? I did okay. not have that well, on let's there. Let's yours. Oh, <laughs> mine's a bit more, a bit serious because oh, I okay. actually took this quite Tom. seriously because I was like, oh, maybe I should be careful because if I manifest the wrong person. The first one, which I thought might be a bit controversial, is not easygoing and doesn't go with the flow. Because That's fine. Like in Australia, I feel like we really value and we talk a lot about people being easygoing, but I'm not easygoing and I don't think that would kind of work with me. So I think someone that really knows what they want and is going to go for it. I kind of like someone that's like, I want to do this tonight. Let's go do this. Not just like, yeah, what what do do you you want to do? That's good. The second one is, so he cares about his job and success, but isn't overly flashy. So like he wouldn't buy stuff that he couldn't afford just to show off, I guess. 
sensible with finances. Yeah, but like I also think success isn't defined no, by money right. either. Correct. So cares about like having work-life balance like I do. So <laughs> you might not agree with this, mum, but I think someone that's not traditional, doesn't care about getting married, doesn't know. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. So on that same non-traditional bandwagon, I think wants to like live somewhere else for three months a year or is open to other ways of living outside of, you know, we go away for two weeks every year and that's it. So the next one is also on the travel side, can rough it when traveling. So isn't a princess who needs five star happy to be in a basic bungalow with no aircon? Did you call him a princess? <laughs> Don't you mean a prince? Prince, princess, whatever. I also had loves to dance. Yes, they have to dance with you. Otherwise, yeah. if you've got a really bad dancer who just sits out, that's not going to be any good. <laughs> got to get their moves on. So all the stuff that I do with podcasting and content, not on this podcast as much, but on the beauty one, you know, we talk about poo and we talk about, you know, so much different stuff. I'd like someone that thinks that's funny, not gross. They don't have to listen to you. Yeah, but I think that like someone that appreciates that those things Your are funny humor. and my humour, not, oh my God, that's disgusting. Like I think that's really important. So I did have he obsessed with my family. I said, I don't think that he needs to be on good terms with his family. And I don't think that's necessary, but I would really like him to, I said, to go for a pedicure with you, you go. or go for a bike ride with dad. There you go. And also that he'd come like ice skating, which is what we did last night and be really happy to do that. Even if he's shit. Yeah. So the next one was get me out of my comfort zone. I think there's lots of things that I would love to do, but I get too scared to do them. Like there's some adventure stuff. But not like jumping out of a plane or not bungee jumping. Not jumping out of a plane, but like maybe kayaking or, oh, yeah. you know, hiking that's more intense not just like a stroll someone that would want to go on like a motorcycle through the Himalayas that's like dad forces me up hills and if he yes. wasn't forcing yes. me up I would never do it and in the end I'm yeah. really happy with myself that I did it but there's no way I would do it with someone that didn't force me and then the last one god I've written a really really long list here I don't think I'm gonna find this person I think the list is too long okay the next one is I, I like direct people, mm. so they say what they mean. Well, that's a good list. Good luck with finding. <laughs> Where is he? Like happy to go on a hike but happy to go for a pedicure with my mum. I don't know if that person exists. We'll have to update all the <laughs> listeners when we meet when when you meet someone that will do that with you. That'll be the mum test. Let's get on to the interview today. Today we're talking about single finances, so single people finances with Victoria Devine from She's on the Money. So Victoria Devine probably needs no introduction. She's a financial advisor and founder of Zella, a financial services firm devoted to the financial wellness of young people looking to succeed. But you probably know her voice as the host of She's on the Money, the number one business podcast in Australia. She's actually interviewed me for one of the episodes about beauty, but today I get to interview her. Welcome, Victoria, to Single Minded. Hello, and how the tables have turned. I know. 
from your perspective, what are some of the unique challenges that single women face from a financial perspective? I know for me, holidays are more expensive, living alone is more expensive. Even just cooking for one is like a little bit more expensive. Oh my gosh, cooking for one sucks. <laughs> I'm obviously in a relationship, but I can't talk to being single because I was single for a fair while there. And I think the biggest issue facing single women is literally that everything's just more expensive. And I mean, we are talking really generally. Obviously, some people are like, oh no, there's so many more challenges, but we're not really talking financial challenges. We're talking like emotional challenges. For me, it's literally just everything's more expensive and harder to access because it's more expensive. For example, holidays. All right, well, it's more expensive. You always start with a twin room and then from there on you're like, well, can you just charge me for a single rate? And they're always like, (laughs) no, you're having the twin room. Everything's more expensive, but then it's also the only thing you're lacking is a dual income, Mm. uh, which I think in 2021 is not as big of an issue as it was historically. So if we took it back 50 years ago, women didn't have the capacity to earn what a male would earn. And I think that now the tables have turned in that aspect. Mm. We don't actually have as many barriers as we used to. So we're now in a situation where we actually can earn a good income. In fact, a lot of women are earning what a couple might earn, but now it's just about putting your head down and creating goals. And often when you are single, you've always got this, okay, well, when I get into a relationship mentality, and I just Mm. think that that is such a bad mentality to be in, like let's embrace your goals and plan for those so that when you get into a relationship, you're a whole person with goals and things you want to achieve and savings and, you know, plans for the future. And if you do decide to be in a relationship, then okay, no problems. We'll just talk about our shared goals, but I actually have things I want to achieve and we're going to work towards that as well. So for me, I think it's just about holding back and, you know, the biggest issue would be obviously money is less Mm. than the dual income. I, when I was probably younger, so I would say in my 20s, I would have said, Uh, I don't have to worry about buying a property or worry about my finances because I'm going to meet someone and then we'll have two incomes and then we can do, but as I get into my thirties, I'm like, oh, that's not an excuse anymore. I want to plan for the future, a future where I may be alone. Exactly. And that's exactly what it is. It's an excuse because we Mm. can actually achieve anything we want to financially if we put our heads down and actually just plan. Because one of the things that I find really interesting and lots of people find shocking is that my wealthiest clients are not the highest income earners. My wealthiest Mm. clients are the ones that actually create wealth over the long term. You know, start investing early, start creating financial goals early. Whereas I have double income, high earning couples who honestly are still, you know, in a really bad financial position despite having a dual income of more than $250,000. Like it is all going down Mm. the drain because they're spending it all on lifestyle. So for me, Mm. I think it's stopping the mentality of you need a dual income. You don't. You actually just need some solid plans. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to come out of this and be like, where where do I start? I'm at the moment I'm actually looking to buy my first place. Do you have any top tips for single women who are looking to buy their first property? Like where do you even start? So I think it's about having a budget and being really strict on your budget and understanding what that means. So for me, I think a lot of people get really caught up in prioritizing saving for a deposit, which is obviously, you know, the first hurdle you're going to have to cross to purchase the home. But 
The second part of that is actually serviceability. So you need to understand what your income is going to be able to service. And that's what the bank is going to lend you. And what does that actually mean? So I think that if you're at a point where you have comfortably saved a deposit and you're going to purchase within the next, you know, six to 12 months, actually looking into what a mortgage or payment is going to cost you and then making sure that's going into savings every month so that you don't end up in a situation where you're like, okay, I'm going to buy this home, but it stretches every single resource that you've got. And then you end up only being able to afford noodles and no lifestyle. And like we all know, as a single female, we can be quite social. So we do want the ability to still go out. We do want to still be able to see friends and travel and have all of those things happening and if we stretch ourselves and really prioritize a property over and above everything else, sometimes we have blinkers on and we don't actually see what else is important to us at that point in time. And once you're in a mortgage, I'm not going to say it's too late, but it, it's a very hard situation to come back out of because the financial commitment isn't one that you can just go, oh, well, I'm not going to pay my mortgage this month because you mm. don't have that option. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. What kind of resources would you be looking at when you're starting? So you've got your deposit. Mm-hmm. What would be your next step, like from a practical point of view? Next step would be understanding the property purchasing journey. So what does it take? Mm-hmm. Making sure you have pre-approval so that you can confidently go and inspect properties and say, okay, well, what is this property worth? I'm willing to put in offers and actually kind of, you know, put yourself first. So instead of saying, all right, well, I've got a deposit. If I find a house I like, I'll apply to the bank. I just don't think is a good position to be in. So having your pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Yep. But then also doing some research. What do you need to know about property? Okay. So like first things first, you would need to have a contact who is a solicitor so that if you do make an offer, you've got someone who can do the legals for you. You're going to need to get a building and pest inspection to make sure it's all good. And I reckon one of the most important things to have when you walk into a property inspection, is just your like in the back of your head checklist because it is so easy to get caught up on all the shiny things they've put in the home. You're like, oh my gosh, what beautiful windows. Mm. I love the curtains. Like I can see myself moving in here. I think it's have a list of things like turn on the water, make sure the water pressure is working, check all the windows, have a look at the skirting board, see what's going on with the actual property and see beyond the cosmetic things that are going on and work Mm. out whether that's something you want. So for me, having your ducks in a row and making sure you know what you're looking for is really important. I feel like, oh, I should be doing this on my own. I should be like, you know, an independent enough woman that I can go and do. But I actually do get my dad to come with me. Oh, yeah, same. Yeah, okay. I'm in a relationship. That is not weird. (laughs) Having a second opinion, having a friend like, Hannah, we are friends. Let me know. I'll come to your house inspections with you and hustle your real estate agents. Believe me, it's one of my favourite things to do. I'm in a relationship and I get my dad to come and help. Yeah, good. Like you best believe my partner's like, Oh, I'll come. And I'm like, no, 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 my dad's going to come. Like that doesn't change. (laughs) To be honest, because my dad, like any bells and whistles, he's like, doesn't care. He's like looking at the condition that it's in, like asbestos, like stuff that I just wouldn't know. Exactly. If you've got someone that you can rely on to come along to the inspections with you, fantastic. Definitely do that. Get them involved. I think that as single women, sometimes we get a little bit caught up and we think, oh, we can do it ourselves. Like we don't need anybody. I'm sorry. If there is somebody that has skills and tools and resources that you can rely on, whether you are single or in a relationship, like you're silly not to make the most of that situation. Mm. So I think 
bring your dad. If you've got a dad, if you've got a friend, if you've got a friend who works in real estate, even better, like rely on other people, bring them along. Because sometimes even if you have your heart set on something, Second opinion is always a really good thing to have. I think my biggest fear is auction day, though. Auction day is terrifying, but stick to your guns. Mm -hmm. Know your budget, know when to tap out, and understand that the property market is so emotional. Like the reason people Mm -hmm. overbid and put themselves in positions that you know, financially they can't afford is because they overbid at auctions. And when you overbid at an auction, you're compromising your financial future. And that is not sexy. Like I don't care how beautiful that property (laughs) is. There is nothing unsexier than having a bad financial future. So for me, know your budget, stick to your guns and know when you have to tap out. And I think saying, all right, well, that obviously wasn't the one for me, no matter how much my heart was set on that property. It's not It's not meant to be. And I think that that's Mm. something that you need to go into an auction with. Having some understanding of, I guess, what that top limit is, what you'd ideally like to auction up to is really important as well. I think there's um, some really great resources on another podcast, which isn't mine, but I am about to do a podcast with the owner of this podcast, Amy Mm. Lenardi, but it's called The Buyer's Bible. And she has an entire podcast on how to bid in an auction. So I would go and have a listen to that. I'm going to go listen to that one. And she's done like more than a thousand property transactions. So I'm here talking about the financial aspect, but like literally she buys and sells properties for other people. So that's her job. Okay. I'd listen. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to admit that I'm like pretty terrible at budgeting, but now I'm in my thirties. It's like, I've become very conscious of it. So I actually transfer out X per fortnight and inevitably I run out of money and I have to transfer (laughs) some back. My friend is because you're not being realistic about your budget. (laughs) That's, that's probably true. So what can I do? Like, what are some tips that you have to budget better and save. Be realistic with yourself. Okay. (laughs) Be honest with yourself. Uh, It sounds really harsh, but the reason you're transferring money back is because you haven't done a comprehensive enough list of what you want to spend. For me, it will Mm. be, I think people get really idealistic about budgets and they say, oh, I would love to only spend $100 on my groceries this week. And they pop that into the budget, then they allocate that money. And then they're like, yeah, but Daffamore cheese is like really good. And I've got a girlfriend coming over and yeah, I'm going to, I'm just going to get like a whole piece of $20 cheese. And I think that it's so important to understand that about yourself. A budget is not meant to be restrictive. It is actually just meant to be reflective of your expenses. It's not meant to be something that makes you feel bad. It's just where's my money going and what is every dollar that comes into my account doing and how can I actually make that work as hard for me as I am for it? So I think once you shift your mentality around keeping a budget, it's not so you stay on track with this idealistic spend. It's so that you know where your money is going. So the second you sit down and go, okay, I'm going to stop putting budgets on things and I'm going to go, okay, well, how much do I spend on food each week? Oh, it's $150. Am I happy with that? Yes. Okay. Don't worry about changing that. Move on to the next thing. The answer is no. Okay. Well, what am I spending on? Understand the lifestyle choices around that. Is it convenience? Is it, you know, you going above and beyond and just dropping into the supermarket every second day because you're being a bit naughty and haven't planned? Like then think about the things that you can change to change that budget, not just I'm going to give myself less money and hope it works. 
that doesn't work. Mm. And I think that so no, many it people doesn't, just really. assume it's going to. And you go, well, how is that ever going to work if we break it down the way I just have? You go, yeah, that was never going to work. Like I'm still just mm. going to go and have the same behaviours with my spending. And the same goes for clothes and shoes and makeup and beauty and literally everything. You need to understand what you're spending and why because if you don't, just sticking a number on a budget because it looks nice and, you know, it makes your mm. savings look like they're going to be bulkier than what they are, it's not going to work and I'm really sorry. <laughs> So start with the budget, which I haven't done. Start with your budget. I think it scares me to think about it. I'll add you to my budget and cash flow masterclass and you can use the budget in there, which is a Thank little you. less oh, intimidating, okay. I promise. Okay. It's okay. peach as that well. That sounds good. <laughs> Are there any common traits of good savers that you find? Uh, common traits of good savers. Everyone's different. I think it's about having goals though. Once people understand a goal and once people really understand what they want to achieve, everything else becomes noise. So I think Mm -hmm. that if you go, I really want to purchase a home and have a really clean and clear goal, I think that that is the one thing that good savers have above and beyond other people. Like they can see their financial future. They can see what they want to achieve and those extra drinks or additional like beauty products. I've made two orders on Adore Beauty this morning. Like I cannot (laughs) be trusted. Like it is not okay. But you budgeted for it. (laughs) No, I didn't. Like I'm a hypocrite. I'm right here lying straight to your face. Oh, I'm so glad you're human. Right here lying straight to your face. I needed a new um, heat protector. So I was like, yeah, cool. I'll just order that. And then I was like, oh, serums, but I'd already put my order in, so I just did two orders. No, I haven't budgeted for it, but at the same time I have kind of like a blow account that it came from. Nice. And that means that I can do that and I know that I can Mm. do that. And if there's money not in that account, I'll be like, okay, well, maybe I'll do that next week when I know I can afford it. So it's about just having a plan. So as much as I hadn't budgeted for that I definitely had money set aside so that my savings haven't been impacted by that decision because we're Mm. all human like we can't be Mm. in this position where we're like okay well I'm perfect all the time like we're not Mm. but when it comes to good savings habits I think it's about working backwards on a goal as well and knowing what you need to commit each and every single week or month not necessarily what you need to save as much as possible. So I think a lot of people get in this mentality that they're like, well, I need to save as much as possible. And that's really Mm. restrictive. Whereas if you go, Mm. okay, cool, well, I'm buying a house in X amount of months, like I need a house in a year. Therefore, each time I, you know, do my budgeting, I need to have X amount set aside so that I can actually achieve that. That's much more tangible than saying, I'll just save as much as possible this month because that's going to fall over. Yeah. It's kind of like dieting, isn't it? It's like literally, I'm going to restrict all these foods. It never, ever works. Then you blow out and you have yep. a binge day yep. and then you're like, I fell off the track already. Mm. I'm just going to not bother. Yeah, it's not it's not worth it. I've never really thought about getting advice from a financial advisor, but I'm kind of at a stage now where I've been thinking about it. How can a financial advisor help someone achieve their financial goals. I actually read somewhere that couples have the advantage of having someone to bounce ideas off. Maybe I read that on your website. 
yes, but also singles have the ability. <laughs> like I just feel like yeah, that's true. just because you're single doesn't mean you have no goals and no plans for the future. Mm. Yeah. It really frustrates me. I have a lot of single clients and I think the Mm. one thing they have in common is they're just really empowered about their futures. And a number of them, once you start to really focus on your finances as a single person, I feel like your confidence really increases. Like, obviously we can do so many other things around our confidence, but knowing you are financially secure just makes you feel safe. It no longer makes you feel like you need someone else's income. That's massive. And it can be really detrimental to feel that way because you end up in a situation where you stay a little bit stagnant and you just like don't move forward you don't move back you haven't got bad financial habits but you also aren't putting your financial self first because you're just in this constant state of limbo and I just think that that's so negative Mm. so for me a financial advisor is obviously going to be a really great person to bounce ideas off but they're also going to invest in line with your goals and your plans and create the financial future you want because they've got a little bit more nous when it comes to strategy and planning and implementation. So the one thing I would say, though, is a lot of financial advisors these days are doing like lots of budgeting and cash flow, and I'm the exact opposite. I will give you every Mm -hmm. single tool and resource to go and do that on your own because I don't want you to spend the thousands of dollars that a financial advisor costs to learn that. So for me, I think it's get your budget in order, understand your finances, sit down with yourself and go, okay, what are my goals? And once you are at that point, that's when I'd say, okay, if you feel like you need to see a financial advisor, fantastic, see one then. But don't see one and go, yeah, I just don't know what to do with my money. Because to me, that's a waste of your money. Make them work. Make your financial advisor work on the stuff that you can't do yourself and do the stuff that you can do yourself with the tools and resources that you can get for free online, like goal setting charts and budgets and cash flow plans, like all of that, my friend, you can do on your own. And if you're interested in investing your savings, say in shares, Where would like someone start if they've never really done that before? For me, I really like micro-investing platforms. Sadly, I can't tell you specific products. I like micro-investing platforms because it gives you the start that you might be overwhelmed with like jumping on the ASX and buying direct shares Mm. or going in and buying your own direct ETFs. Like everyone's like, all right, well, I don't even know what that means. I'm just going to put my hands up and run away. So I feel like micro-investing platforms like one of the ones I use at the moment, and I'm definitely not plugging it. I'm also, as a financial advisor, definitely not recommending this. I'm just saying I personally use it is Spaceship. And I really like it because I can go in and see what my money is doing. You can invest with as low as $5 money win. Mm. We're not putting our entire <laughs> life savings on the line to invest but you can see what the market's doing and start to get used to watching the market and seeing what those assets look like before actually taking the plunge and going a bit deeper. So for me, it would be about giving yourself exposure on a level where you're like, you know what, I feel comfortable putting 50 bucks in here. Like I've spent more than that on drinks on a Friday night. I'm not worried about that risk as opposed to going, all right, well, if you've never invested before, go straight to a financial advisor, give him your life savings and go from there. Like to me, that's really overwhelming and it's often a bit much. What I want it you is. to do is feel yeah. really confident and safe with the idea of investing so that you actually go to an advisor and you're like, look, I've been using these micro-investing platforms. I've got, you know, five grand on there now. I've found this plan. I'm putting, you know, $1,000 a month or $500 a month or however much towards this because I've committed to the goal of investing and I'm consistent 
what is next for me? And they will create Mm. a plan that is in line with your goals and your values and your ability to take on risk. I think that if you are at a position where you're like, all right, well, maybe I should just invest my entire life savings, like have a bit of a think about what that looks like first. Dip our toes in the water. Don't just dive head first in Mm. because it's meant to be a long-term game. It is not meant to be something that you just throw your life savings in and then get scared and pull them out. Like that happens. Mm. We don't want that. We want sustainability when it comes to investing. And I think that an option to dip our toes in the water and just see what it's like is good. What are the biggest financial mistakes you see millennials make? I feel like you're going to say probably a lot that I do. <laughs> I need I need the tough love. I need I'm it. sorry. I'm sorry. Look, it's tough love, but I also think it's one of those things where we're millennials. Like our lives are completely different to our parents and our grandparents and the expectations of buying homes and investing and, you know, getting married and having that 2.5 children. Like it's not the same as it used to be. Like how cool is it that we have the same resources that a male has? Like, Mm. I know it's so strange, but we didn't, we didn't used to have that. And I feel like in 2021, you and I kind of go, yeah, it's obvious. Like, that's fine. Of course, I'm going to be able to out earn them. But it wasn't always that way. So I think that one, we're too hard on ourselves. That's the biggest mistake. Two, we think that we'll just leave it for future selves. We always say, oh, I will deal with that when I'm a bit older. Like I'm living my best life in my 20s or in my 30s. I think we keep making future us uh, responsible. And the more Mm. future us is responsible for us, the more responsibility they're going to have to take on at some point, which is not good. It is you in the end. It's not someone yeah. else. It's actually yeah, you. Sorry, it's not someone else. It's actually you. Uh, jokes on you. It's just harder. And then the third thing I think is we just stick our heads in the sand. Like things are just too overwhelming. Things are too hard. Instead of learning what we actually want to do, we just pretend it's not happening. The amount of millennials I talk to who wouldn't be able to tell me exactly what's in their bank accounts because they're like, oh, I don't even want to look because too hard I think Mm. is concerning and I think if we can just start taking control of our futures even by just understanding our money journey and our money story like we're going to be so much more empowered like it's baby steps and if those baby steps are too big for you still just take smaller ones even if it means just really understanding what a bill is made up of be like okay cool how does that actually work it's the small things that add up to a really secure financial future not not really big aggressive steps like, oh, I'll go see a financial advisor and I'll invest my life savings. That's not the answer. Mm. And I think that too many people think that that's what it's going to take. It's not. It's understanding every single little financial detail. I really like that little steps thing because that makes much more sense because my dad told me, he's like, I think you need to just start turning up to auctions. Don't bid, but you'll learn a lot from just being there. And I was like, oh, 100% no. you will. Yeah. And he was like, it's just the first step, Hannah, like go and do it. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Don't you just go to an auction if you're ready to bid? But that no. makes a lot more sense. But like, think about it. Like if you've got a direction, baby steps are still steps in that right direction. Like take yeah. do the small things so that when you come up against the big things, you're more confident. Like Hannah, mm. go to an auction, listen to your dad. I'm going to two on Saturday. Yes. <laughs> but like, do you know how empowering it is? It's also really fun because you get to see the arguments, you get to see the tension, you get to see what, like watch the faces of the bidders and see the emotion mm. on their face. And you will learn that you are not the only one stressed about this. Also mm. take a coffee. It is great entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> but by the time you come to auction, 
you'll be like, oh, I'm going to try that trick I saw that guy do. He looked really yeah. confident. Like, yeah. do it. Learn from other people. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, if there are free things that you can do that are going to put you in a better position, like why aren't mm. you doing them? The worst thing I mm. think you can do is like limit yourself and limit your ability to actually have an impact on your financial future. And at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that could happen? You'll go to an auction and you'll say it was a waste of time. Okay, well, I would have yeah. slept in on Saturday anyway, so it's not the biggest waste of time. Amazing. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Victoria. I have learned a lot in a mere 30 minutes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having me. It is always fun. Do you know what's really interesting? Because in between that interview and us and you listening to the episode and doing the outro, I actually went to my first auction yesterday. Yes. What a scary prospect this is going to be. I didn't realise that properties were going for well, more than 100 I over know. the top it's end. It's unfortunate that in our day property really was pretty cheap. So that was interesting. And I've got a friend in her late 50s who has never married or had kids. And she was one of the first one of my school friends who bought a small apartment in a good position. We were in our 20s. We had no mm. thoughts of buying property. We were too busy going to nightclubs, didn't think about future or finances. I don't know why she decided to do that. But anyway, she then doubled her money mm. and ended up buying a two-bedder in an even better position where she still is today, totally set herself up without the need for a partner. Mm. So, yes, yeah, something to consider. Well, I am considering it. I just think the whole process, oh, the whole process of buying a place is a lot more work than I thought it would be. Dad and I spent the whole day yesterday going to open for inspections. And as my Instagram followers would know, there was a a small two-bedroom apartment that had the basin with no storage in the shower. It was bizarre. And I was like, was there an actual bathroom? Was there a toilet? Well, this was the other thing. <laughs> the weirdest thing about it was that the bathroom was in the bedroom. So if you had people over, they'd have to walk through your master bedroom to get to the bathroom. And then it had a toilet in the other bedroom. But that oh, toilet, no. the sink was part of the toilet. It was one of those like, it, it was. It just sounds badly designed. It was trying to use space well and I just said to dad that I can't do that bathroom I work in beauty Mm. there's where would I put all my stuff anyway it was an interesting experience and it's probably going to take me longer than I expected after the auction went for so much more do you remember getting a passbook from me with a hundred dollars in it for your 10th birthday Yes, I remember. I've still got the passbook. Setting you up for financial security. Was it $100, I wonder, or am I imagining that maybe it was only... I think it was maybe 25 25 God. <laughs> but you've always, you know, had a job. 14, you're at Macca's? No, Mum. Safeway. Oh, no, no, no. Weren't you at Macca's? Mum doesn't remember anything. Well, from 14, <laughs> you worked at Coles. And then your illustrious career took off. You're in an Italian restaurant. Yeah, I did work at an Italian restaurant. Yeah. Then boring finance, not boring for everyone, but boring for you. And yep. now content creating, podcasting, writing. And although one of your core values is freedom and mine is hard yes. work, we do align. We yes. do align hard work. <laughs> hard work equals saving dollars equals 
Freedom. That's true. Are you sure you didn't work at Macca's? 100%. I've never worked at Macca's. Why did I think that? Oh, my goodness. You're getting old. Maybe I was thinking Macca's because we used to drive through Macca's after school. Mum could never say no, so we'd beg her for three minutes. Oh, fine. And then we'd go to Macca's. We did that a lot. If I was a mother of young children today, there would be absolutely no Macca's. Why? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. I don't think it's good. (laughs) I don't think you can say that. I think you relented very easily. Maybe all parents give up when they're harassed. (laughs) That's it from us this week. So we're going to have our latest dating story. If you have a weird or wonderful dating story or your worst dating story ever, email through a voice memo to singlemindedpod at gmail.com. We might not have them every week, but when we get a really good one, we're going to share them here. So here's this week's dating story. So about three years ago, I find myself on the dating apps for the first time after just getting out of a long-term relationship. And I was living in New York City at the time, rocking to work one day with a date lined up that night. And I get a message from this Australian guy that I had matched with earlier on in the week asking if we were still on for a date that night. Realizing that I double booked myself, I asked my team at work to help me choose, uh, apart from my boss who said definitely not the Australian because surely as a player, if he's on Bumble on a family holiday, uh, they all said go for it. So I did. And I remember the second I saw Liam, I knew I was in trouble. We had such an amazing date. And afterwards, we took a taxi back uptown together and we shared our first kiss. And then we said our goodbyes. He was flying back to Australia the next day. But overnight, a massive snowstorm blew through New York and canceled his flight for three days. So he messaged me saying, hey, I'm still in town. Would you like to catch up again? And we did. And somehow on that date, I must have been passing mention that I love pancakes because the next night he asked me out for a pancake date. And then after that, we said our goodbyes again. We couldn't have lived further from each other. So there were really no expectations. But I had felt really strongly for him, like right off the bat. And so once he got back, we kind of kept in touch every week or so. It turned more and more frequent. And then he eventually asked me to meet him halfway in Hawaii. So about six months after we first met, we had our fourth date in Hawaii. And then a few months later, I came to Melbourne to meet his family and friends. And it was on that trip that we decided someone had to move. So we actually wrote a pros and cons list of New York versus Melbourne. And somehow New York lost. And so fast forward a few months... After only seeing each other for a total of, I think, 30 days in person, which sounds so crazy, I moved to Australia. And then about a year later, my parents came for a visit and we all went for a family holiday in Noosa and he proposed. And we're currently planning our wedding for this coming October. So I just wanted to share this story for anyone that's, you know, on the dating apps and fed up that there are good ones out there and that all it takes is one. If you made it this far, I'm hoping that you enjoyed the podcast. If you could subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review, that would be much appreciated. It really helps other people find the podcast. Not that I'm desperate or anything. See you next week.